Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy and chapter number 2. The book of 2 Timothy and chapter number 2. We are continuing with the pastoral epistles and we're on the downhill slide almost finishing these up as we've examined the book of 1 Timothy, the book of Titus, and now finishing up on the book of 2 Timothy. We understand that in context, the apostle Paul is in currently a Roman jail and he's not going to get out. He is sentenced to death and so he's taking time to pin this letter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to his son in the faith, Timothy, to try to give him some encouragement for Timothy to continue, for Timothy to keep moving forward. As we saw in chapter 1, that there are many people who were ashamed of Paul's chain, that when they found out that Paul was wanted, they quit the ministry, they quit calling themselves Christian, they did everything they could not to associate themselves with the apostle Paul. Well, in order to encourage Timothy not to quit and not to abandon him, and again, it's a very real fear because the Apostle Paul said that the churches of Asia had already abandoned him. This would include the church of Colossae, the seven churches mentioned in the book of Revelation, uh, Heriopolis. There was other churches within that region that have all denied the Apostle Paul. And, of course, Timothy is pastoring the church of Ephesus. So that means some of the church folks that Timothy is pastoring is having a movement to deny the Apostle Paul, to no longer associate with the Apostle Paul. So it is under this occasion, this situation, this backdrop, this context, that we find our text in the book of 2 Timothy in chapter number 2. The book of 2 Timothy in chapter number 2, and we're going to pick it up starting at verse number 3. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 3, notice what the Bible says. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him, To be a soldier. And if any man also strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 2? The book of 2 Timothy, in chapter number 2, and notice the phrase, a good soldier of Jesus Christ. A good soldier of of Jesus Christ. And with the Lord's help, we'd like to open up this passage and make an explanation about a good soldier of Jesus Christ. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And thank you so much that we're able to relate and understand what you are getting across in this passage that we may understand and 
and see what we are supposed to do within our own Christian life. I'm asking this would be an encouragement. And just like the Apostle Paul was trying to encourage Timothy, that it would encourage Christians to continue to stand, continue to move forward for the Lord, to continue to advance ground, not to quit, not to abandon their post, but to be able to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Right now, we're just asking that you would fill me with your precious spirit and that you would grab the attention in the hearts of each of your folks and that you would bring them to the place where they realize that you're a God worth serving and that there is a master to please. Thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. The Bible often uses illustrations in ways that most people could understand. For example, the Bible uses a lot of farming terms because everyone can understand the principle of a farmer that a farmer plants seed and then after a time later that seed grows up to a plant. We can understand and so the Bible uses a lot of things that people can understand. It uses fishing terms. We can understand things about fishing. It uses the idea of farming ter terms of keeping the sheep and protecting the sheep. The Bible also from time to time uses military terms and gives a reference to the idea of a soldier because everyone could relate or at least understand something about a soldier. So God is trying to put things in common denominator, trying to put them in common terms that we don't need a lot of explanation. We could just compare ourselves. You're supposed to be a soldier and we would understand what is meant by that. And so if you don't mind, I'd like to explain a couple different things about being a soldier from this text to be an encouragement to us to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. The very first thing I'd like to mention to you is the discipline of a good soldier. The discipline of a good soldier. Now, it doesn't matter if you watch movies or television or read books. Every time a soldier is depicted in a movie or a book, whether he's a good guy or a bad guy, the one thing that a soldier is depicted as someone that has discipline. Every soldier, that's what they're known for, is the idea of discipline. You think of our United States armed forces, that we have the Navy, we have the Marines, we have the Army, and we have the Air Force. And that each of those people that serve within the military are expected to be a good soldier for the U.S. military. For example, if you tell an Army private that he is supposed to stand here and guard this box, what is expected for that Army private to do? To guard that box. Let's say that you go up to an, uh, a marine. And you say marine. You need to take that island. I know that there's some enemies there. And I know that they want to, to, uh, to prevent you from taking that hill. But your job is to take the hill. What do we expect that marine to do? To take the hill. We have a Navy seaman who's out and the storm is raging and it seems like the water is billing over. However, they have their post where they're supposed to secure the rigging and to make sure they're out there in the midst of the storm to guard or to protect their part of the ship. What is expected of that Navy seaman? To stay out there and to guard and to, to keep their post on the ship. Let's say that you have an Air Force pilot that's flying in the air. And what's happening is the anti-aircraft is shooting all around him. The enemy wants to make him crash. And he's flying right in the midst of the hail of bullets. What do we expect that Air Force pilot to do? To continue to fly. And that each one of these has the aspect of discipline. 
to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You know why, how we can endure hardness? Because of discipline. The Christian life is a disciplined life. It is a life that requires discipline and it requires self-discipline. Meaning that you don't have to tell, have people yelling at you and looking at you. It is expected that once a command is given to a military personnel, they will do what is asked of them without having to be checked on every five minutes. It's part of a discipline. To endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ indicates that the Christian life is not an easy life. It is not an easy life. But we're supposed to endure hardness. We're supposed to have the discipline to do it. Whether it's easy or whether it's not. Do you understand that reading your Bible, as simple as it may sound, is hard? Many of you find that out. Because what happens is you get busy. You have to wake up in the morning. You have to get this. You have to accomplish this. And the thing that seems to be set aside is your Bible reading. You know, whether you have a busy day or not, you're supposed to continue to read your Bible. Do you know that prayer is work? That's why we don't pray as much, because it's work. It's a four-letter word, work. But you know it takes discipline to pray, to Put a time and to put a place of a prayer closet where you set an appointment with just you and God and you set that time there. And to keep that appointment, it takes discipline. It takes discipline. It takes discipline to come to church, especially if you're having a bad day. Hey, I'm the pastor. You don't think from time to time I don't want to go to church? <gasps> you're not supposed to say such. I'm being real. But I got to show up. You get to show up. But there's sometimes when you don't feel like it, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. There's a discipline to it. There is a discipline. There's a discipline to giving. I mean, you look at your paycheck, you look at all the bills, you look at your paycheck again, you look at the bills, and you say, I got to give this something to the Lord. It takes discipline. A discipline, an expectation. To start passing out tracts. I have a preacher friend of mine. He's an evangelist. And he says, you know what? When I go knock on doors, I'm always afraid on the first door. I'm scared to death the first door. But endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. There's a discipline to the Christian life. And that without the discipline, you cannot live the Christian life. Because Satan's not going to make it easy for you. It's not going to be a bed of ease. Your flesh is not going to make it easy on you. Your flesh is going to say, I don't want to read the Bible. I don't want to. Hmm, I wonder what's over here. Have you ever found yourself easily distracted? It takes discipline to say, no, I'm going to do what is required of me as a good soldier. Have you ever found yourself praying and as you pray, your mind starts to wander off and something else? I mean, it's much easier to go wander off and think of something else than actually talk with God. Being honest, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. The Christian life is a disciplined life, and without the discipline, you cannot live a Christian life. You cannot, because it's not an easy life. Maybe I could say it this way, it's not a convenient life. It's not convenient. 
You have to have the discipline to do what you're supposed to do, even if your flesh does not want to do it. You have to do it. It's a discipline. We understand this is the life that you're supposed to have. Every soldier who you see, whether he's a good guy or bad guy, TV, movies, books, you look at him and he is characterized by one thing. Discipline. Discipline. And that is the, the picture that we have here of being a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Timothy, you endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Don't quit. Do you think it was hard for Timothy, knowing that his mentor is in jail, knowing his mentor is going to die, and having church people come up and say, Timothy, pastor, what are we going to do about this Paul thing? Do you think that would be difficult? Absolutely. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Not only do we have the discipline of the soldier, but we have the character of a good soldier. The character of, the good, of a good soldier. Now, I had the privilege of serving in the United States Air Force for a good number of years. And one of the things they drilled us of the Air Force is our core values. That in the military, we had three core values. It was integrity first, <clears throat> service before self, and excellence in all we do. That was our three core values. By the way, those are biblical values. Integrity first service before self, and excellence in all we do. What is integrity? Integrity, you could define it like this. It's doing what's right even when no one is looking. That's integrity. Doing what's right even when no one is looking. Do you know that your pastor does not call you every day and say, have you read your Bible? Have you read your Bible? And you could get away with not reading your Bible, at least with your pastor, right? But you have to have your own integrity to do what's right, even when you could get away with it. Do you know who you are is not who you are in public? Who you are is who you are in private. That's who you are. That's integrity. Who are you in here? Everyone could put a salesman version. You know what a salesman version. When you find that girl that looks cute and you want to go out on a date and you actually take a shower and comb your hair and brush your teeth and you actually find something that looks nice and, and you try to be impressive. You're, putting, you're a salesman. You're trying to sell her something that you're not. You could be a salesman, but that's not integrity. You could try to fool others and you could try to fool your pastor, but you'll never fool God. That's integrity. It's character. It's who you are in private. In the Air Force, and by the way, the Bible, integrity first. That's part of the character of a good soldier. The second core value had is service before self. Service before self. Others, others to become a servant. To be able to put a hardship on you in order to serve someone else. That's part of being a good soldier. A good soldier doesn't put himself first. You think about those examples I gave before. Let's say that you have an army uh, soldier who is tasked to guard a prisoner. Guard a box. Guard something. 
What do we expect him to do? We expect him to guard the box. You think that sometimes it gets hot guarding that box? Absolutely. You think sometimes it's inconvenience to guard the box? Because soldiers don't get chairs. Air Force, we'd go get a chair and go sit down. But the Army, they, don't, they, they have to get what they have. You think about the Marine. Marine, go take that island. But they got bob wire and they're shooting at me. I don't really want to go. They don't have a choice because of their character. Their service before self. You put your duties before yourself. You expect them to go do what they're told. You think about the Navy sailor who's out there. The storms are raging and it's going and the storm's going and they're scared. Wouldn't you be scared? But yet they're tasked to do their job and they have to stay out there. You take the pilot who's flying and they're shooting him up, uh, shooting him and trying to get rid of him, trying to shoot him out of the sky. And he's flying and says, this is probably not a good idea. Service before self. What would happen if the soldier said it's too hot? I don't want to guard my prisoner anymore. And he left. What would happen if the Marine said, you know, no, I'm not going to do that. And he walked away. What would happen to this sailor? Instead, he climbs in and abandons his post and hides below deck. What happens to the Air Force pilot that turns around and says, I'm not going to do it? You see, we have one or two words for those people. Traitors or cowards. Traitors or cowards. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Because if you fail to do your duty, traitor or coward. Traitor or coward. You see, the character of a soldier, integrity first. Then it's service above self, service before self. Before I get what I want, I need to do my duty, even at the cost of me. And then the third is excellence in all we do. Excellence in all we do. Do you know how many people half-heartedly do something? They don't do the best. It doesn't matter what you do. You should always do your best. After all, you're serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. How can you not give them your best? How could you not? The character of a soldier is that he, everything he does, he does well. That's a good soldier. We know there's bad soldiers. But we're talking about a good soldier. You know, everything that you do for the Lord, you should do your best on. God does not deserve your leftovers. Whether it's in time, whether it's in finances, or whether it's in service. God doesn't deserve your leftovers. He deserves your best. In everything that you do, do it well. So we understand as we're describing this, we have the discipline of a good soldier. We have the character of a good soldier. Then we have the position of of a good soldier. The position of a good soldier. Hold your finger here. We're turning back here, but turn with me to the gospel record of Matthew chapter number 16. The gospel record of Matthew chapter 16. When you think of a soldier, what is a soldier there for? There's only two functions of a soldier, by the way. Two functions that an army has. Two functions that a military has. 
Only two. Can you guess what they are? They're either on the offense or they're on the defense. They're either taking ground or they're guarding ground. They're either on the offense or the defense. Well, do you know in the Christian life there's only two positions? You're either on the offense or you're on the defense. You understand when you came to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, whether you realized it or not, you joined the Lord's army. And because you joined the Lord's army, you've now entered into a spiritual war. Whether you agreed to it or not, you're in a spiritual war. You're in a fight. And as a soldier, there's only two positions. You are either on the offensive or you're on the defensive. Notice what position a good soldier of Jesus Christ ought to have. Notice with me in the gospel record of Matthew chapter number 16. The gospel record of Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 16. And notice with me in verse 18. This is Jesus Christ and he just had Simon Peter given admission of who he is. And notice as Jesus continues in verse number 18. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, by the way, this rock, Jesus is pointing to himself, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, think about this. We have the church, which is the organized army, and they are by the gates of hell. Who is on the offensive if you're outside the gates? You're on the offensive. The church is on the offense. The, the, the hell is not trying to break into here. We're supposed to break down the gates. We're on the offense. We're supposed to be taking ground. We're supposed to be seeing victories won. We're not supposed to hold up till Jesus comes. We're supposed to be taking ground. What do I mean by taking ground? Well, we're supposed to see people who are on drugs come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior and become good church folks. We're supposed to be seeing uh, ladies who lived a fornicatious life come and become good mothers. We're supposed to see young men who wasted their whole life become good dads. We should be seeing changes of life as we're seeing people one by one by one. And you know what the Bible says? The gates of hell shall not prevail. We're breaking through. The position of a good soldier of Jesus Christ is on the offense. We're supposed to be taking ground. We're supposed to be moving forward. Somehow we've got fooled into the idea that we're supposed to hold up till Jesus comes. But you understand, we pick the battleground. If we decide that we're going to be on the defensive, then the fight is going to be brought to us. But if we go out there, we bring the fight to them, and this is a sanctuary. You understand? We pick the battleground. The position of a good soldier of Jesus Christ is on the offense. Taking ground. Praying that people come to know Jesus Christ. Delivering them from the destruction they were headed to. Moving forward. Always moving forward. The, uh, the position of a good soldier of Jesus Christ is on the offense. If you don't mind, let us see some more. As we turn back to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 2, we understand to be a good soldier of the Jesus Christ, we see the discipline of a good soldier of Jesus Christ, the character of a good soldier of Jesus Christ, the position of a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We also see this, the separation of a good soldier 
of Jesus Christ. The separation of a good soldier. Notice with me in verse number 4. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who have chosen him to be a soldier. Now this is making reference to a soldier within the Roman army. A soldier within the Roman army was forbidden to have a family, was forbidden to own, um, to own a business, was forbidden to own farmland. The reason why is because when the Roman government said, hey, we're going to go ship out and go tack the Gauls, they didn't need someone saying, well, I can't because my business is going to collapse. Well, I can't because my crops are coming up. The Roman soldier was to have nothing to entangle them, nothing to keep them from doing their duty. We understand the separation of a good soldier is that there are some things that we choose to avoid within our life that we may do what we're supposed to do. There are plenty of distractions. And by the way, there are things in our life that may not be sinful, but we choose not to do them in order to be the good soldier that we ought to be. So that we're not entangled, so we're not distracted, so we're not prevented from doing what we're supposed to do. When soul winning comes around, what keeps you from going soul winning? When church comes around, what keeps you from going to church? When finances come around, what keeps you from giving as you want? The idea that are you entangled? What keeps you from obeying the Lord Jesus Christ? A good soldier of Jesus Christ separates himself so that way there's nothing that entangles him. Nothing that keeps him and prevents him from serving God when God says, hey, I need you to do this. So we don't have the excuses of why we can't serve God. That a good soldier is separated. The separation of a good soldier. But it's not all. By the way, this is a big list today. So we go on and we see the training of a good soldier. The training of a good soldier. You know, whenever you visit a military base, there's always soldiers that are training. Whether it's doing push-ups and doing PT. Whether they're marching in formation and they're marching together, having the same step, moving forward. Whether they're doing uh, practicing on the gun range, whether they're practicing. There's always training going on. Why? Why? Because they want to get to the place where the soldier is doesn't think about it, he just does it. And it requires training over and over and over and over. So that way when it comes time and he has to go to battle, he doesn't have to stop and think. He automatically engages because seconds of time can cost somebody their life out in the battlefield. Absolutely. And so for us as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, that requires training ourselves. Notice if you don't mind in verse number 2. And the things that thou hast heard among me, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. We explained that this morning, that we see the idea of the training of discipleship. That's training. What we're trying to do is we're trying to train good soldiers of Jesus Christ and getting them in the habit of obedience to Christ so they wake up and they don't think about, should I read my Bible today? They wake up and are automatically going to read their Bible. It's habit. You don't think about it. It's already going to be done. 
We're trying to get them in the habit so that way you are praying without even planning. All right, this is when I'm going to pray. All right, I'm going to begin to pray. You're just in the habit of praying. Because guess what? There's going to come a time where you're going to need to pray and you're not going to have time to say, oops, I haven't been right with God. Maybe I should take time. Like a car accident? I can't tell you how many times I've been on a gravel road and driving the gravel road and even driving under the speed limit and the gravel hit me and the next thing you know, the van's spurning around and around and automatically without thinking, I start praying, God, please help me. God, please help me. God, please help me. I didn't have time to say, pause, God, I need to confess some sins really quick. Lord, I need you right now. God, I, okay. You don't have time to get right with God. You need to be right with God. You need to have such a relationship with God that prayer is automatic when those things happen. That comes by training. Training. What we're trying to do through discipleship is help develop the habit of obedience to Christ. Not that you plan to obey Christ. It's already automatic obedience to Christ. To get to the place where you don't think about, should I give someone a track? You just find yourself automatically giving someone a track. That comes by training. 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 It gets to the place where when someone ask you, how can I know Jesus Christ your Savior? You don't have to say, wait a second. Let me look at my notes. Let me look. Hold on. Hold on. But it's at the place where you're trained. It just comes out. It comes with training. Training. And you don't think about it. God just gives you the answer because he's been working on you and you could go explain it to someone. That's the whole purpose of discipleship is help develop the habit of obedience to Christ. But it doesn't stop there. Notice if you don't mind. As we go on to verse 15. It says study. To sh- ah, that's a bad word too. Study to show thyself. Approved unto God. Notice the next one. A workman. There's that work again. You know it takes work to study your Bible. Now this is beyond reading your Bible. This is studying your Bible. It says study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Part of the training is to study, to study, to study. To learn how to study. By the way, it is never wasted time to stop and sharpen your axe. It is never wasted time to stop and sharpen your axe. Think about this. You take an axe that's dull, that hasn't been sharpened in a while, and you start whacking at a tree. It's going to take a lot more work, a lot more force, a lot more labor Then if you said, I need to chop down the tree, let me sharpen this really quick, and then go to work, it'll be a lot more efficient, and it'll be a lot quicker at the very end. It is never wasted time to sharpen your axe. Discipleship is not a waste of time because you're sharpening the axe. Evening school of the Bible is not a waste of time because it's helping sharpen your axe. Sunday school is not a waste of time because it's time for you to sharpen your axe. It's part of that training. It's part of that going. A soldier never stops training. There's always something to continue to train on over and over and over and over. Something new to learn. Something more to add. Something more to to be more efficient with. That training is always there. In the Christian life, there is never going to be a time where you no longer need church. There's never going to be a time where you know all the Bible and you don't need to be taught anymore. 
The training of a soldier is continual. To study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman. It takes work. It takes discipline. But this is part of that training. The training of a soldier. A soldier is always training. Always preparing. So that way when he gets to the battlefield. He doesn't have to say stop. Think. It just automatic action and reaction. When I work with the police, if I could tie in, <coughs> sometimes the police, when they are going through shootings and they're going through the other things, the thing they all say is that my training kicked in. I didn't even think about it. I just reacted as I was trained. That's what we're getting here as a good soldier of Jesus Christ is we're training to the place where you don't think about it. You are automatically obeying, responding, reacting as you ought. That goes beyond just knowing the Bible. How to react when someone gets in your face and starts yelling at you. You don't have to say stop, think. To be able to respond instantly with kindness is training. It's working. Working on automatically forgiving someone when they come up and smack you in the face. And it's such a habit of forgiving someone that it's not a big deal. You don't have to be frustrated later and try to work on it. It takes discipline and training to be able to accept rebuke for someone. When someone corrects you in your behavior. And you don't have to take three days to process and finally say fine he was right. But you wasted three days of being mad and upset because you refuse. That's part of training. It's part of training. There's a lot of training in the Christian life isn't there? That's part of the training. So we go beyond the training to another point. The mastery of a good soldier. The mastery of a good soldier. Notice if you don't mind in verse number 5. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. We see the striving for the masteries. What does this mean? Well, we understand that you go through uh, different stages of training and getting familiar. For example, if I handed an M16 in most of your hand, you would be unfamiliar with it. You would go, I'm not used to the weight. What does this do? What does this button do? How does this work? I mean, most of you, if I handed you an M16, you go, what in the world? I'm going to just kill myself. I don't know what I'm doing. How do I load bullets to it? How does this work? How, what do I do? You are unfamiliar with it. So in order to get familiar with your weapon, you have to spend time with your weapon. And so you go from unfamiliar to familiar. I'm starting to get familiar with my weapon. Well, with more practice and being taught how to shoot, and how to aim and how to work the thing, you become proficient in it. After a while of being proficient with it, you begin <coughs> to become an expert in it. Then you begin to specialize in it. And then you finally master it. The Bible says we're supposed to strive for the masteries. Well, we know the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But you know what our weapons are? There's only one weapon that God gave us. And it is the sword of the Spirit. Would you mind if I showed you something? Take your Bible, and I want you to hold it with the spine 
facing, uh, sitting on your palm, but your spine facing towards your fingers. Just hold it in the palm, just like this. All right, we know that the Bible is our weapon. It is the only weapon of our warfare. And I want you to add just your pinky. So just hold it so it's in the palm of your hand and just your pinky holding it. That is hearing. So if all you did was just listen to the word of God whenever you showed up to church, that's the only grip that you have in the word of God. So imagine you're going to go get in a sword fight with someone and you're holding a sword just with your pinky. Would that be a comfortable fight to be in? Probably not. Well, you add to it not just hearing, but reading. So you just start getting in the habit of reading your Bible. So you just listen to preaching and you start reading the Bible. Well, that's a little better grip, but you wouldn't want to fight someone who knows what they're doing with a grip on your sword just like that. that that's not a good grip at all. You have to add to it study. So add your, <coughs> your <coughs> excuse me, your, next, your middle finger to that. So you have hearing, reading, studying. Now, it's a better grip, but you don't have a great grip. Add also memorize. You're supposed to memorize scripture. A little bit better grip. But there's one more thing. You have to meditate on scripture to think it all and over. Now, by the way, I didn't teach you how to use the word of God. I just taught you how to hold the word of God. You're not ready to go fight yet because now you have to get used to your weapon until you go from unfamiliar to familiar, familiar to proficient, proficient to <coughs> expert, expert to specialize, specialize to master. You know how you're going to master this? Well, you have to have a good grip on it by hearing, reading, study, memorize, and meditate. Only when you get a grip on your word, then you have to get used to using your word until you master it. May I also show you back in verse number five again? <laughs> it says, if a man also strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned, except he strive lawfully. You know what that means? There are no shortcuts. You may think that laying down on your Bible and using it as a pillow, you'll learn by osmosis, but it doesn't work that way. There are no shortcuts of getting used to your Bible and striving for the masteries. You, there's no easy way of doing it except to do it. You have to learn to get a good grip on your weapon. It's the only weapon you have and you're on a warfare. Unfortunately, most Christians are holding their, their swords almost like a, a little strap to their sword and it's kind of dangling. I'm ready to go. They're not ready to fight because they don't even know how to hold the sword. You know there's a proper way to hold an M16? And there's an improper way of holding an M16. That could hurt you and a lot of other people. There's a lot of things to it. Do you know that the Bible's the same way? You could hurt a lot of people with the Bible if you don't know how to use it right. And you could help a lot of people if you learn how to use it right. This is a dangerous weapon. You know how many people have been hurt because someone did not use the Bible correctly you understand we have to learn to master it and the only way you can master it is if you strive lawfully there's no shortcuts you have to work at it and you have to make it your work you have to make it your life study you have to continue to move forward on it 
Which brings us to the last thing about a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We've explained the discipline of a soldier, the character of a soldier, the position of a soldier, the separation of a soldier. We explained the training of a soldier. We explained also the mastery of a soldier. But there's one more thing. And that's the desire of a good soldier of Jesus Christ. The desire of a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Notice back with me in verse number 4. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of his life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. You know what the desire of the good soldier is? To fight for the one that sent him. To please the one that sent him. To obey the one that sent him. Our desire is God. God's the one who saved us. God is the one who put us in the fight. And our desire should be for him. I want to please him. I want to do my best for him. You see, the goal is God. The goal is not to be a good soldier. The goal is God. The goal is God. My goal is to please him. You know, if someone is not a good soldier of Jesus Christ, it's because their goal is not God. Their goal is not God. But when you look at God and you fall in love with him, it's not a big thing at all to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Because our goal is to please him. And we want to please him. You understand the Apostle Paul is giving this to Timothy to encourage him to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ because some hard times are coming. Some hard times are already there. The Apostle Paul's in jail. He's already been taken prisoner of war. And there are more yet to come. We know that in the Roman Empire, there were 10 major persecutions that are upcoming in the next hundred so years, a couple hundred years. And you know how they're going to win the war? Good soldiers of Jesus Christ. Not quitting, not running. You understand there's a lot of people who are in the spiritual war that are not ready for combat. They're not ready to go see victories won. But they can be. And so I ask you, are you a good soldier of Jesus Christ? You say, how do I know a good so I'm a good soldier? Well, first of all, how's your character? How's your character? Do you have some character problems? Is your integrity there? Are you willing to serve others before yourself? How's your discipline? If you can't even wake up with enough time to read your Bible on a regular basis, you're not going to be a good soldier. If you're not in the habit of praying to God on a regular basis, you're not going to be a good soldier. If you're not trying to take, be on the offensive and go see ground one, to go see people come to know Christ, you're not going to be a good soldier. If you have things that are entangling you in this life that is preventing you from being obedient to God, you're not going to be a good soldier. If you're not willing to submit to training, you're not going to be a good soldier. If you're not willing to strive for masteries, work at it, you're not going to be able to be a good soldier. And if your goal is not God, you're not going to be a good soldier. Now remember, in the Christian life, all we can do is say, where you, find where you are and move forward. I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm trying to say you can be a good soldier. You just need to take the next step. 
What is your next step? What needs to be addressed in your life? What needs to be fixed in your life? So that way you can be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. That we may please him who hath chosen us to be a good soldier. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus. And I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.